Hey folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Builder Ball. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this is the podcast where we build an entire campaign for you from scratch. This season, we're building for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, and this week, we're going to do what I'd originally planned to do last week. And that means we're going to focus in on the section of the map we're going to be using in the first few sessions of our game. So if you printed off the map we posted a couple of weeks ago, you might want to go ahead and pull that out now and refer to it as we go along. If you haven't, this would be a good point to do so. Also, I've had Gabe put another one up because I've put a new one up to get into some detail on for some of what we're covering today. And we're going to stick a couple more of them up before the day is done, but we'll get to those as we move along. So just stick with me and we'll hit them up one at a time. For the record, you're going to be looking for these on the Bad GM Productions website, badgmproductions.net. Also, for the record, today's map should be labeled D&D Map 2. And as always, I apologize for the simplicity of these maps. I'm laying them out in a simple manner to give you the outline of what I'm thinking, with the idea being that you can and should put the detail that you want into them for your group. Plus, as I mentioned in last week's show, my map making skills aren't exactly my strong suit. So while I'm working to get better at them, well, I'm not going to get any better at them in a week. Anyway, let's get back on track. As we look at our original map of the continent of Corte Maltese, we should be holding the map with the map scale on the lower right corner. That'll give us the orientation we're looking for, since I forgot to put a compass on the map when I drew it up. Like I said last week, map drawing issues. (laughs) Our island is going to be on the northwest portion of the map, and that's where map two will now come into play. So now you can set map one to the side. I realize map two looks like a two-year-old took an ink pen to graph paper, but let me see if I can bring some clarity to what my vision is for our island here, as well as provide some background as to what's going on here. The first thing we need to know is the approximate size of the island is 100 square miles. And while that isn't a lot of size, for our purposes, it's more than enough to do what we need to do. What we need to understand is that the community living on this island isn't supposed to be a sprawling metropolis. It's a small group of humanoids that are surviving despite the situation they found themselves in. There's a whole lot more going on, but we'll get into those details in the background we provide at the start of the adventure. So I'm not going to get into all of that today. Just understand that for now, the size of the island works for what we're going to do. Oh, and I made a mistake on the scale. It says one square equals one foot. It should say one square equals one mile. My bad. Insofar as the layout itself, we've got a decent amount of shoreline, and that allows for the populace to fish and set traps for shellfish, which are going to be the primary sources of protein, since there really aren't any other native beasts on an island this small that they could use to eat. There are probably also a couple of smallish huts spread out around the beach, mostly inhabited by single men, and they're probably also the primary fishermen, since they've got the time to handle that job. There are also probably one or two of these fishermen who've rigged up some sort of makeshift rafts or whatever to work their way north of the island to try their hand at something larger than what they can get near the island, though they're very careful to avoid the mainland at all costs. 
We can work out specifics of that as we go along, but I thought I'd put the thought out there now as we can something we can work on for storyline somewhere down the line. Working our way towards the center of the island, those chicken scratch scratches they put on there are trees, specifically palm trees. Yeah, I know. They look nothing like palm trees. My daughter is the artist in the family, and I didn't have time to commission a good map from her. I'm going to have to make sure I do that next time. The idea here is that the majority of the larger shacks are protected from the elements under these trees, as the broad leaves provide shade as well as protection from rain. The inhabitants of the island have also figured out how to grow a few different root vegetables under here, so when you combine those with the seafood, the diet isn't half bad. Plus, there are a couple of species of egg-laying birds on the island, so eggs are also available. Fresh water is the big issue, but they've worked out a method to purify the seawater to make it drinkable, and they've made the best of a bad situation. That leads us to the egg-looking thing in the center of the map. That's a crater leading to a pit that we're going to send our group into during the first session of the game. And that's going to be what we're building out for the rest of the session today. Yeah, I know. I said we'd be building stuff out as we went along. Well, we're going to cheat a bit. We're going to build the facility today. Insofar as filling it, that's next week. But before we do that, we need to back the bus up a bit and flesh a few more things out. We need to know how many characters you have in your group since we're going to start this campaign with your group coming together, which means they're all from this island. That means they all live here. Now, they can all be part of the same family or there can be different families of whatever divisions they want to have. But those are something that you need to know before you go to set this up. And the reason for that is because you've got a limited amount of space to work with here. I mean, sure, the island's 100 square miles, but that crater in the center is about 15 square miles in diameter, so you've lost a chunk of your space. That means we need to maximize the space we've got. And if you're going to make some adjustments to the ways things are set up, say, for example, you want there to be some gaps in the palm trees for actual farming of grains or such, you're going to need to take that into account. So, you need to know how many inhabitants or citizens or whatever term you're using for the people living on your island that you have so you know how many structures you have on your island so you know how much space you have on your island. So, I mean, you kind of get the picture here. You also need to understand that there's not going to be a lot of technology here. We made it pretty obvious during the first episode of the season that technology is pretty much the exclusive property of the Emperor and his minions, so chances are pretty good nobody's got it out here. I mean, it can be argued that there's a blacksmith with basic tools or a leather worker with basic tools out here, but having a jeweler or some sort of fancy trade person is going to be a bit of a stretch. What I will say is if you've got a dwarf, the possibility of having a brewmaster is opened up to you, though I'd open that up to humans as well if the player can provide a good explanation of how they'd know how to do it. Also, I'm sure that you've got questions as to what exactly I mean by a hut. This is another of those things that I leave up to you to define. One thing to keep in mind is the number of people you've got staying in it. In that case, you may see it as a small log cabin of sorts. Of course, since palm trees are the primary trees on this island, that might be difficult to pull off. So, you may want to do some Google searching online to see what island huts would look like on various Pacific islands and work from there. And yes, I realize we're working in a fantasy world here, so we could technically do this however we want, and therefore you can do this however you want. 
So while I'm providing you with suggestions, I will indeed say that very thing. Do this however you'd want to. Okay, so I think I've laid things out as much as we need to here. So I think we can move on to setting up the generics for our first subterranean adventure, which we'll actually fill in next week. Now, one thing I started to realize as I was looking at the map is that we've got a huge mountain, crater, whatever looking thing in the center of this map to deal with. And we need to figure out exactly how this is going to work. From an adventure standpoint, again, that's something we can build out next week. From our purposes this week, the more I look at it, you know what I think this is? I think this should actually be a dormant volcano. And I think we need to consider it as having been dormant for a considerable amount of time. That's how I think we can justify there being a subterranean complex between it. So there, that's what we're going to do. I think we're going to have some sort of legend or something behind it. And we'll work it out next week when we finally start building the actual adventure. So... Now that we've decided it's a volcano, we're going to have some sloping sides headed up, and then we'll have the group somehow make their way down. Again, we're going to work that out next week, so if you've got ideas of your own, this would be a good time to jot those down. So I know by this point you're starting to wonder why I'm not tossing a whole lot of detail into this since I keep talking about focusing in on the build. I'm leaving a lot of things open for you to put your own spin on what we're going to do this season. And when we get to working on the actual scenario build next week, I'm going to fill it in how I'm going to build it and run it with my flavor if I were to run it. So you're going to see what I would do. And if it's not what you would do, you make the changes that you want to make. This week's about giving the outline. So if you want to go back and not have all the distractions, you can do so. I realize that that's a whole lot of chatter for something that could be easily explained, but I do like the sound of my own voice, so I tend to say 100 words when 10 could get the job done. It tends to be a bad habit of mine. Anyway, once we get the group down to the basin of the volcano, we're going to have some sort of entrance to our structure. I haven't decided on what that's going to look like, but it's going to be something that's going to allow us to size down to a much more reasonable entrance of around 10 foot by 10 foot so we can begin to work with a much more normal size workspace. And like I've said more than once on the show to this point, all I'm doing this week is laying out the basics of the structure, though I will be putting in secret doors and maybe a couple of other items that are going to actually be built into the structure. That way you've got them on the map when I have Gabe post them. We'll actually fill the space in with items next week or the week after as we start building our adventure. I should also note that I originally drew the maps in pencil before going over them in marker, so you may notice some spots where my erasers smudged when I was working. I apologize for that, and if you have questions about something, don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask questions. Okay, so to make sure we're all on the same page, head back to the website and download Dungeon Map 1. Got it? Cool. Let's pick up with Room 1. You'll note on the lower right-hand portion of the map that the scale for this map is one square is five feet. You'll also note that our entryway is 10 feet wide and that we've got a southern wall heading 30 feet to the east and to the west. From there, it heads off 30 feet to the north on both sides. Now, I wanted to give this area an aura of sorts, so it had to have a lot of size. That means that from the 30-foot point on those northern walls, we head out another 25 feet to the east and west, then back north another 25 feet. From there, we join the two walls back together with a long wall. You with me so far? 
And on those two 25-foot walls, we've got a 10-foot door sort of centered since it's not possible to center it exactly. On the 120-foot back wall, we've got two more 10-foot doors. I put one of them at the 15-foot point going from east to west and another at the 30-foot point going from west to east. I wasn't worried about centering them as much because sometimes I like to put some twists and turns into my complexes. It annoys the hell out of my groups, but I get a chuckle or two out of it. Does that make me a bad GM? Well, I did put in the company name, so I guess it does. One more feature in this first room are the five 10-foot by 10-foot columns. Now, I just sort of randomly put them into place on the map in spots I thought they'd best fit and still have decent sight lines for the group when they entered the chamber. So I'm not going to call out placement here on the show. Check out the map if you'd like. Or if you're drawing up the map on your own, take a look at what you've got and see where you think they'd best fit and put them in there. Also, if you think those look too big and you'd like to go smaller, do that. Though, I think I'd add a few more columns in if you do that. Remember, you're under a volcano that was once active, so you're supporting a lot of weight. One more thing before we move along. Mark this as room one on your map to make it easier on yourself when we go to fill things in when we build. We're going to go counterclockwise as we work through this level, mostly because that's where my creative streak took me as I drew up the map. So, working off the first door off the main chamber, we'll build a wall going 15 feet to the south from that doorway, then 30 feet to the east. From there, the wall goes 60 feet to the north before turning back to the west for 30 feet, then to the south where it meets back with the doorway. The one odd feature we need to build in here, and we'll get into describing it next week, is that 15 feet into the room, we've got holes in the floor every five feet running north to south, starting five feet from the northern wall. Like I said, we'll get into that next week. Mark this as room two on your map and we'll move on. Both of the northernmost sets of doors lead to room three. From either set of doors, there's a wall that goes 20 feet to the north before splitting off. One goes east for 55 feet, while the other goes west for 30 feet. Both then go north for 60 feet. Then we get another long wall that joins the two together. Again, if you check out the map I've posted, you'll see where I've tossed in a bunch of those 10 foot by 10 foot columns. And as I look at them, I realize I don't like the way I've put them in there. So feel free to move them around and or junk a few of them. Why they're there will become apparent next week. So while some of them are important for structure, that's not the only reason why they're there. Okay, so let's get to the fourth and final room on this level. From the westernmost door on this level, this one moves out into a short 20-foot long by 10-foot wide hallway before hitting a T. You've got the option to turn left, and while that goes south for 30 feet, staying 10 feet wide, the way to actually go is to the north, going 90 feet and staying 10 feet wide. At the 90-foot mark, we'll have stairs heading down. That will be the end of level one and thus the end of map one. 
That means it's time to head back to the website and download Dungeon Map 2. The first thing you will notice is that I had to put the compass and scale in an unusual spot on the map, and that's because of how I wanted to use the paper for the map this go around. I'm sorry about that, but that's how it works sometimes. Okay, so we'll enter on the southwestern portion of the map about two and a half squares in and about a half square up for those mapping without actually using the map. We're still about 10 feet wide because that's how wide the stairs were when we went down. The stairs stay this way for 10 feet when the eastern side of the wall heading north stops. The western side of the wall heading north continues for another 10 feet before that section of the wall gets a section of wall heading towards the east. That wall goes for 20 feet before it stops and continues north for 10 feet. Backing up for a moment, when the eastern running northern wall stopped, it turned east, went for 10 feet, then turned south for 10 feet. So what we've got going is two walls, one running north for 10 feet, one running south for 10 feet. Both now run east for 35 feet. Then the northern one turns south while the southern one turns north. They run for 10 feet. Then they both turn east and run for 20 feet. Once they've done that, they turn away from each other and run for 10 feet. Then they turn to the east and run for 20 feet. Then they turn towards each other and run for 10 feet. Then they turn towards the east and run for 15 feet. Then away from each other for 10 feet then east for 10, then towards each other for 10, then east for 10, then away for 10, then east for 5, then towards for 10. Finally, they both turn east and go for 25 feet. They then come together at what will be a 10-foot doorway, though on our map, we'll put an S on it for a secret doorway for our group to search for it later. From the doorway, we go 10 feet both to the north and to the south, then 40 feet to the east from both directions. Then, as expected, we connect both of those walls with a wall running north to south. We'll put a 10-foot doorway in that northern wall 15 feet in from west to east, and it will run 15 feet north. There's not a door here, but there is a doorway. There's a wall running directly from it, 15 feet to the east and 30 feet to the west. That eastern wall then runs 15 feet to the north, then 55 feet to the west. That western wall runs 15 feet to the north to connect to the western wall above it. Oh, before we move on, we need to designate some rooms. That goofy room I did with the turns this way and that is room one. The secret door is room two. And the room we just built is three. Now let's put some doors in room three. On the southern wall, there's a door 10 feet to the west from the doorway they came in. There's also a wall five feet from the door that runs 10 feet to the south, 20 feet to the west, then 10 feet back to the north. Small room, I know, but we'll stuff something in there. This is room four. The next door's going to be the fun one at least when we do something with it next week. On the western wall, there's a five-foot door in the center of the wall. It opens to a five-foot wide walkway with no walls. That walkway runs 140 feet to the west. Now, on the map, I know it looks like it's got walls. 
I did that to show the walkway. Trust me, when we build the adventure around this, there are no walls. There is no Dana, only Zool. Anyway, this is room five. Room six is what that walkway dumps into. The walkway has a 10-foot wall feeding to the north, with a wall running 20 feet west before heading 30 feet south, then 20 feet east before going 15 feet north to finish the room. From here, we go back to what's become our standard 10-foot wide hallway off of a 10-foot wide doorway in the center of that northern wall. It runs for 55 feet, and while there's no door where it ends, again, we have a doorway, and again, the walls for this room are off that doorway. 5 feet to the west, then 30 feet north before heading 55 feet to the east, then 30 feet south before turning west for 40 feet to finish squaring up room 7. The door for room 8 is 10 feet south from the northern part of the eastern wall of room 7. We'll build out the wall here by picking up at the 30-foot mark from that southern wall from room 7. So, we're already at 30 feet on this western wall, and the total winds up being 70 feet before it turns to the east for 70 feet. We then get a northern turn for 70 feet before we get a western turn, and the wall closes room 8 up. There's a 5-foot door on the eastern wall, and it's 25 feet down the wall. That leads to a 5-foot wide walkway, again with no walls, that goes 25 feet to a doorway that leads to room 9. The doorway to room 9 has a wall going 5 feet to the north before going 50 feet to the east. From there, it heads 55 feet to the south then goes 50 feet to the west before turning 45 feet to the north to meet up with the walkway. And let's finish up the second level by joining all of this together. There's a doorway on the southern wall of this room. The door is 5 feet from the easternmost side of that southern wall, and it's only 5 feet wide. From there, it leads into a 15-feet-wide, 20-foot-long hallway of sorts that ends with a 5-foot-wide secret door that leads into room 3. We've marked that on the map for you, so you've got that for when we get to building things out. So, we've done some backgrounding of the island. We've got three maps to use. I think we're ready to actually start building some game we can actually play. And we're going to do that next week. Oh, and since I've made it a point to note that I'm not actually running the game for a group this season, I've been asked if I would create a hypothetical group to give GMs following along a group they could use or a group I would anticipate my group playing, especially after the show we did last week. You know what? I'm up for that challenge, but I'm not going to take up time in the regular show to do that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll give a blow by blow of myself working up those characters. Heck, I might even actually try to do a video of myself working them up, and I'll do a YouTube exclusive of that. Even if it ends up being like uh, B-roll only with me doing audio, I'll put it on the Bad GM YouTube channel for you to check it up. I'll put it up sometime before the end of the weekend, so make sure you've clicked on the subscribe button and hit the bell to get the alert. Alrighty then, that means next week we're going to start building ourselves an actual D&D campaign. Oh, 
And for those who have wondered why I haven't done the usual disclaimer the last two weeks, that's because we actually haven't done anything out of the D&D book. So there's been no need to do the disclaimer. But next week, I think we're going to actually have to start doing some disclaimer stuff. So I'm going to stuff it in starting then. In the meantime, go ahead and check out Role Playing History. This week, we're checking out the espionage game Top Secret, along with the play-by-mail fantasy game Krasimov's World. If you don't know what that is, I really think you need to check out the show. Role Playing History is available wherever you get your podcasts or from our website, badgmproductions.net. The theme for Bad GM's campaign build along is Savage by Alex Productions on sound.eu forward slash. Check out the info box for this episode for the full credit listing. Bad GM's campaign build along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Look, by now you know the drill. Check out the info box for this episode or the website to see where you can follow us and make sure you do that. That's how we communicate with you outside the shows, and we get lonely. So, Please do that. Next week, we build. (laughs) Until then, I'm the bad GM Wayne Davis, and I will see you at the game table.